Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, To you who hear, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. Rather, love your enemies and do good to them and lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Stop judging and you will not be judged. Stop condemning and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and gifts will be given to you. Good measure, packed together, shaken down and overflowing, will be poured into your lap. The measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. So the church gave us this morning, the first reading, one of the very best stories in all of the Old Testament. It's this wonderful story of of King Saul and his young protege, the young, ruddy, handsome, clever, beautiful David, who is still just a young guy, young kid, and he's spectacular in his appearance, and everybody loves him, and he's wonderful, and he's smart, and everybody's saying, one day he's going to be king of Israel. And of course, Saul at first loves David like everybody loves David, but then he starts to get that awful feeling in his gut of jealousy, you know, and this kid is just maybe a little bit too bright for his own good. This kid is just too handsome, and I'm not very handsome anymore because I'm old, and, and this kid is really sharp, and he's smart, and he sings psalms, and he's 
prayerful and he's obviously a godly young guy and you know and I'm jealous of him because I'm losing all that stuff I'm getting old and I'm getting kind of cranky and I'm getting you know people don't love me the way they used to and what if what if that David starts to threaten my crown my throne Uh uh-oh I'd better do something about that that jealousy and that fear begin to consume old King Saul. And pretty soon, as we read in this morning's passage from the book Samuel, you know, he's gathered up 3,000 of his favorite, his best soldiers, and off they go marching in pursuit of young David. Little David, he doesn't have an army. <laughs> and, you know, he leads them out into the desert of Ziph. I'm not sure where that is, but it's somewhere. It must be a grim place. And he's chasing him, and he's going to kill him, and he's going to slaughter young David and save his throne, you know, out of jealousy and hatred and all that stuff. So he's just consumed by all this. So one night, one night as the story goes, you know, David and his friend, his aide-de-camp, Abishai, they sneak into Saul's camp in the dark of night, and they pitter-patter around all the sleeping soldiers and they don't wake up anybody and they're so good at this and they get all the way through all those 3,000 soldiers and they get up to Saul himself and there he is sleeping completely completely asleep you know dead to the world and right by his head is a water and his spear right where it should be so he can grab it quickly if anybody should bother them or threaten them. And there they are, David and Abishai. And now they have their chance. This is the big moment they've been waiting for. You know, we can kill this awful Saul and David will become king of everything. And Abishai says, okay, David, here's our chance. This murderous fool, this terrible man, this jealousy-ridden character, he doesn't deserve to be king anymore. (laughs) He's been chasing us down. He wants to kill us. Let's kill him right now. I'll take his very own spear and I'll run it through him and I'll nail him to the ground. We'll be great. And David says, no. You will do no such thing, Abishai. And Abishai's going, but why not? You know, we've got him. We've got the goods on him. We're here. We can do this. We can end this terrible, terrible, terrible being chased around the desert of Ziph once and for all. And David says, no, this guy is bad. I mean, he's filled with jealousy and he's filled with hatred and he's murderous. And and I don't know why he doesn't like me really that much. He used to. But still in all, he's God's anointed. Still in all, he's a child of God. Still in all, he's the Saul that God picked to lead Israel. And whatever his faults and whatever his failings and whatever his hatred towards me, we're not going to kill him. Because, Because he's God's. And so they take the spear and they take his water bottle and they sneak out of the camp past all those 3,000 sleeping soldiers. And he goes up onto a hillside nearby. And when they all start waking at dawn, there's David and Abishai 
and he's got his sword and he's got his water bottle. And he says, hey, boys, <laughs> we could have killed Saul last night, but we didn't. If you'd like his spear, here it is. Come and get it. And of course, off they run <laughs> to get out of the way of the murderous Saul and his 3,000 soldiers. And this is such a great story. We can imagine that, that it's a story that Jesus might well have told himself to his, his, you know, his favorite 12 or to his disciples and said, you know, remember that story about David and Saul out in the desert of Ziph? And you learn from that story. And then, of course, you can almost imagine as Jesus finishes telling the story and Jesus says, learn from David. Learn from David about love and mercy and compassion and God's way of seeing things. You can imagine Peter saying, but Jesus, I don't get it. Why didn't he kill Saul when he had the chance? And Jesus rolls his eyes and says, Peter, 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 how often do I have to explain these simplest things to you? Okay, here we go again, Peter, and John and James and all the rest of you. What's the point of the story of David and Saul in the desert as if point of the story is love your enemies not just your friends not just the people who like you not just the people who love you love even your enemies love them and if they chase you pray for them and if they want to kill you don't kill them back that's the point love your enemies and then Jesus gives to his disciples this whole long list of things that they should aspire to in his way of loving their enemies. If someone hits you on one cheek, give them the other. Don't fight back. If someone steals your cloak, give them your other cloak. Be generous and gracious and loving even of those who steal from you, even of those who attack you, even of those who persecute you, even those who chase you down wanting to kill you in the desert of Ziph. Love them. And of course the disciples and we ourselves hearing this from Jesus yet again, you know, we want to raise our hand and say, Jesus, Jesus, wait a second here. Yes, yes, a million times yes, love our enemies. <laughs> but it is not easy for us. We try. We aspire to that with all of our might. We know that's the, the, the golden rule of life. We know that's the heart of the Christian moral way. We know that's how we care for, that's how we change the world. And we want to do it. We want to forgive our enemies. We want to love those who hate us. We want to be gracious and merciful for those that in some way or another we could do ill to because they've done ill to us. We examine our conscience before going to confession or before we go to bed at night. We use these same, same words you just given us. And we can count off a few successes here and there, but we know that still in all, we are terrible at this business of loving our enemies in real life. We try, we want to, we aspire to it, we believe it, but the reality is we don't do it very well. How then, Jesus? You're, you know, you're special. It's easy for you. It's not easy for us. And Jesus will say, well, it's not so easy for me either, actually. 
as you'll find out on the cross on Good Friday. But if you want to know how to do it better, how to grow in loving your enemies, you know, how to work towards fulfilling these beautiful commands of love, then go back and look at David, you know, this story we just told. You know, David, we know, even as a young person, was a young person, a man of prayer. Look at the psalms that he wrote and composed and sang his entire life long. And what did that prayer do from that good kind of praying? What did that praising of God and expressing his heartaches and, and, and entrusting everything into God's hands, what did that do for him, that prayer, that good praying? Well, in the moment that counted in that desert of Zith, when he had the chance to seek revenge upon his greatest enemy, he didn't do it. He loved him instead, and, and Saul's sins were great. It was terrible that he was filled with so much jealousy. It was terrible that he was murderous in his intentions. It was terrible that he has to gather up 3,000 of his best soldiers to pursue one little guy in this desert of Ziph. But what did all that praying do for David? It allowed him to see that he wasn't the center of the universe. He wasn't the most important thing in all of creation. God is the center of the universe. And that not taking himself so seriously then, because of his prayerful understanding that it's God's business, it's God's world, it's God's life that he's given to all of us, he was, deep, he was able to be free of of that sort of victim-y sort of attitude that says, poor me, I'm being chased. Poor me, I'm being hurt. Poor me, I'm being persecuted. Poor me, I'm being cheated. Poor me, poor me, poor me. Instead of that, he replaces that with an understanding that he's not poor me after all. That God has blessed him and graced him with so very much the gift of life itself. And nobody can take that away from him, not even Saul. The gift of love, Saul cannot take that away. Saul cannot take away his love of God and his relationship to God that he's developed in his prayer and expressed so beautifully in all these psalms. So he doesn't take himself so seriously. He doesn't wrap himself in the blanket of victimization. Poor me, I gotta get back at that guy. He replaces hatred with, with gratitude. <laughs> the Psalms are full of gratitude to God for all the little stuff and all the big stuff. Hatred gets replaced with gratitude and most of all through his good praying. This little young guy, ruddy and smart and clever and able to outwit Saul and all his soldiers. This little guy takes on the eyes of God. He leaves behind his human eyes that sees only the anger and only the hurt and only the junk and the garbage in life. And he sees things as God sees them. Most of all, he sees Saul, his mortal enemy, as God sees him, as his anointed, as his beloved, as his child. And because he is able to see Saul with the eyes of God rather than with his own limited, corrupt eyes, 
he's able to withhold the spear of Abishai and give that man the gift of life. And in the end, of course, because of his graciousness, because of his love, because of his compassion, because of his love of his enemy, he eventually rises to the highest position in Israel itself, unites the kingdom and becomes the great King David. Jesus sums it all up for Peter and James and John and the other disciples and for us. You know, if you want to love your enemy and do kind things for your enemy and give life to your enemy, whoever that may be, in your life. Little by little by little, praying like David prayed, praying with humility, praying recognizing God as the center of this whole thing, praying with the eyes of God. Our hearts too, he's saying, your hearts too, will grow and grow and grow and push back against anger and hatred and vengeance. And you too will be able more and more and more to actually love your enemy and to forgive those who've harmed you and to see them with the eyes of God. And that brings to us all the kingdom of God.